We have so many new people here, and I just want to give a big, like, welcome to all of you. And it's so special to have you with us. And we have many people who are out sick and um, picking up in-laws and, and doing all that. And we obviously pray that God be with them and um, where they're at, too. We're in a series and, uh, on the Psalms, and uh, it's, it's, we've kind of taken the approach of understanding the Psalms as, to, as tools to help us better notice and recognize when God is at work among us. Um, the Psalms aren't like magic spells to make God's presence among us happen and work, um, but they are tools um, for us. They're a prayer book given to us to train us to have eyes to see um, when God is at, at work um, among us. And so we've been looking at the different psalms from the lectionary over the last few weeks. And we've also been hearing stories like we did today from Cami, we did from Jeff, we did from Megan, um, about testimonies, professions of God's activity in our lives. And I've been super grateful to, to hear those, and, and we, we're looking forward to hearing more in the weeks to come. Um, Psalms are, there's a few different kinds of psalms, broad categories we've been talking about. One is psalms of orientation. Um, life is good. The world is working. God's fulfilling God's promises. Amen. We like those kinds of psalms. We like it when our lives are in a place where those kinds of psalms make sense, right? Um, there's also wonderful psalms throughout the scriptures of disorientation. Psalms of just raw honesty and emotion. Psalms that proclaim and name life's not working. Um, governments are not bringing about justice. Um, God doesn't even seem to be fulfilling God's promises sometimes. We have these wild, wonderful psalms in the, psalm, in the psalms that give us permission to be honest about what we see and what we're experiencing. And then we have these psalms that we might call psalms of reorientation or new orientation. And these are generally the psalms where we have moved through the trouble. The psalmist has experienced the disorientation. And God has acted decisively and brought about newness and change and new perspectives. And sometimes that's God, in God's kind of gentle and patient work over time. Sometimes that's God's powerful action and um, movement in our lives. But no matter how God is working, it's a decisive type of work that brings about newness and change. And today's psalm um, is one of those. It's a psalm of new orientation. Um, and we read uh, a little bit of it already, but I'm going to read. I'm going to read this for us again. Uh, Psalm 138. If you're, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your memories, um, that was supposed to be funny. Nobody's not this funny. Okay. Psalm 138 says, "I give thanks to you with all my heart, Lord. I sing your praise before all other gods." I bow toward your holy temple and thank your name for your loyal love and faithfulness because you've made your name and word greater than everything else. On the day I cried out, you answered me. You encouraged me with inner strength. 
Let all the earth's rulers give thanks to you, Lord. When they hear what you say, let them sing about the Lord's ways, because the Lord's glory is so great. Even though the Lord is high, he can still see the lowly, but God keeps distance from the arrogant. Whenever I am in deep trouble, you make me live again. You send your power against my enemy's wrath. You save me with your strong hand. The Lord will do all this for my sake. Your faithful love lasts forever, Lord. Don't let go of what your hands have made. What I want us to think about as we look at this scripture really quick this morning is what are the convictions about God that this author is revealing through this prayer? What about the character of God and who God is are exposed beautifully for us in a prayer like this that is, that is offered? Um, one thing I, I think it... It, it reveals to us, and it's something that we, we profess and proclaim a lot around Mountainside, but it's a good thing to profess and proclaim. And that is that God often works um, most clearly and um, most powerfully as we move through times of trouble. Um, when we're in times of trouble, it can feel like God is as far as God has ever been from us. Um, but the psalmist seems to proclaim that if we want to see God, um, if we want to be able to profess God's presence, it's in the trouble in our own lives that we might get a great picture of God's activity. It's in the trouble in the world as we move towards it um, that we might be able to see the movement of a God who draws close to the lowly and yet has distance from the arrogant. Um, the, this psalm, is I'm so interested by this, is bracketed by very just powerful psalms on either side. And I've wondered as I've read this week, why? Why did the psalmist put this psalm right next to the one before it and after? And it's not because... The numbers were there, right? Well, this is 138 and it follows 137. There's some kind of reasoning. Um, the psalm before this is one of the most honest, painful, um, angry psalms we have. It's a psalm that many of us, we may never have been in a place to even utter its words. It's a cry from Babylon, um, an exile. So raw that the, the psalmist is wishing um, violence against the children of his enemies. Um, it is a raw and honest psalm. Um, God moves through troubled times. And if we can't pray that psalm, there's, I mean, there's people, myself included sometimes, who when we pray a psalm like Psalm 137, it's almost uncomfortable. Um, but it's an invitation to wonder who in our world might be praying this psalm. There are people in our world that actually might be in a place where a psalm as wildly honest um, as Psalm 137 is actually makes sense. We serve a God who moves in times of trouble, the psalmist seems to proclaim. 
The other side of this psalm is one of the most beautifully personal psalms um, that we have in the psalm, in the Psalter. It's Psalm 139, obviously. And um, it says things like this. It leads from 138 where it says, don't let go of what you have made. The psalmist seems to believe like, you made me, God. You can hold me in the most personal of ways. And then the next psalm says things like this. It's long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Lord, you've examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling, even if it's to like Hobbit Town and places like that, um, and resting. You're thoroughly familiar with all my ways. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I go to escape your presence? If I went to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you would be there too. Um, you're the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I'm still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. Um, one of the most beautiful personal psalms we have. This psalmist, this writer, seems to have this conviction that we serve a God who meets us in times of trouble and meets those who are in times of trouble and that God is with us when we're with them and that we serve the God who loves us radically and personally. I'm reminded of Jim Wallace who says, the Christian faith and our understandings about God are never private, um, but they're always personal. Um, and I think the psalmist today is inviting us to, to be reminded of that. That no matter the trouble you may be going through, God knows that and is with you in that. And even if you think your trouble doesn't add up to the trouble that you see around the world, that it doesn't count or something. God is with those in trouble around the world and God is with you um, in yours. I was reading an article this week um, in Sojourner's Magazine um, about a man named Benjamin Crump. Some of you know who Benjamin Crump is. He is, um, this article was about really the stubborn faith of this civil rights attorney. Um, and um, he, uh, Benjamin Crum has represented people like Trayvon Martin, uh, Michael Brown, many others. And the, the author of this um, article, his name is Deshaun Mosley, um, he describes Benjamin Crump as kind of the, the life insurance plan or the emergency plan for the African American community who faces violence um, or when they face violence. Um, and he was talking about, Crump that is, in this article about the Trayvon Martin case. And he, and he thought that, I mean, it was so egregious because all that Trayvon Martin had on him when, he was, when, he was, when his life was ended was, I think, some Skittles and some fruit juice or something like that. Um, that he thought that this was going to be just an obvious um, case where justice would, would be brought about quite easily. Um, and... Um, that just wasn't the case. Um, 
And he said um, that when he realized that there was a strong possibility that justice wouldn't be ser served, he came to face to face with a, what he called a test from God. And he said, nobody was watching this call between me and this brokenhearted father, save God. And I believe God was testing me to see if I was going to answer the bell. Use the blessings and education and all the other things God's given me to be a blessing to the least of these. I stepped out on faith to do the right thing, and God took over from there. He was raised in, um, he's a member of a church in, in, in Florida, um, raised in a Pentecostal tradition. He talks a lot about his grandmother, who he calls the wisest person he ever knew. Um, he started a legal um, office with a partner, um, and their motto, I, I got to get this right, their motto was, we help David fight Goliath and win. Um, that was the motto of, of their work uh, in this, is this, uh, this attorney's office. Just peppered throughout his talk is language of faith, um, language of commitment about the types of work that God does, the kinds of trouble that God lead, enters with people and draws them out of. Um, he said um, later, I constantly recite the Psalms. Doing civil rights work, my colleagues and I go into daunting and dangerous situations and receive death threats. But I constantly go back to the Bible and focus on the fact that, yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, I should fear no evil, for thou art with me. In our, in our series on the Psalms, we're trying to invite one another to use these um, as tools to name um, and see the activity of God. And I think, I think this attorney is such a beautiful example um, of, of the gift that the scriptures are to us. To not just see what God has done in the past, so that's certainly important, um, but to be able to name and put our bodies out there um, in ways that God is acting now. Um, the author asked Crum, in such grand situations of failure and injustice, um, how, how does faith remain strong? Doesn't the belief that goodwill will prevail crack under that kind of pressure? Um, and he said, I grew up in the government housing projects in a very small conservative town. I saw pain and suffering from an earlier age. I knew that was part of life, that it's not always going to be easy. But with God's help, we can overcome many situations. Um, one of his most recent cases was um, that of um, Botham Jean, who was a 26-year-old college-educated, clean record, finished in the top of his class, certified public accountant, devout Christian, went to church regularly, led worship in his, in his congregation, who was killed by... Um, a police officer, when she allegedly returned home, made a mistake and went in the wrong apartment um, and thought there was an intruder in there and took his life. Um, and, and Crumb says this, he says, Botham Jean should be on our tongues when we talk about justice and what God expects Christians to do. Um, the, uh, this officer was indicted by a grand jury for murder. Um, 
And he said, discrimination's wrong on any level. God put us all on this earth and wants us to try to find God's grace and purpose in our relationship with God. We cannot condemn our brothers and sisters. Whatever institutional justice we have needs to be fair on every level. And he wrote, even though those white jurors in that Oklahoma courtroom probably didn't have any of the life experiences that poor black women had, said Crump about the trial of Holtzclaw, they had a sense of fairness and ethics, humanity and justice. They returned with a verdict to say that we as a society are better than this. Um, he said, that was a case that really made me believe that God will move mountains. I tell everybody, including the young lawyers who I've tried to inspire, you just fight to do the right thing. God will take over from there. Um, I just found this so powerfully inspiring to read about um, such brave and bold and um, nationally relevant work um, of a man entering into trouble in our society in its most concrete and, and, and horrible forms at points. Um, and to, in that place, utilize the scriptures that we have um, to profess what he sees God doing in these, in these places. And to profess it in the most personal um, of ways. The scripture that we read um, reveals to us this conviction about a God who enters trouble um, and who is very personal in, in God's approach. Um, and the rest of the psalm, um, the rest of the psalm is just full of language about gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, and our, our liturgy today has been peppered with themes of gratitude and themes of God being faithful and putting a rainbow in the sky, you know. Um, I had a lot to say about gratitude today, but um, we'll, that's for another day. Um, but, but let's be a grateful people because... We serve a God who meets us and this world in its trouble and does that in a personal um, and careful way. Um, gratitude um, comes when we're able to look back and look on our lives and see God's goodness and God's work. Um, and it comes um, to us, and sometimes we miss it. Um, sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes I think for our church, maybe we're nervous to name it because we just don't know, um, and we're, we're a little leery of, of naming when God has acted. And I think the psalmist gives us great courage um, to name it. We don't have to be right about what we say. Guess what? <laughs> that's okay if we're not. Um, that's up to God. Um, 
But we can have courage to name what we see and what we experience and to name um, where we see God moving. Um, we had a great IRC board retreat on Friday, and we're very thankful um, for what God is up to in our midst. Um, there was a lot of conversation about the, the story of Mountainside and our friendship with neighbors that brought us to the place where we have the IRC going and we're, we're postured to expand even a little bit more. Um, and we had a board member there, Myung, uh, who's a neighbor of the Griffins, and we were talking about the work of, of the IRC and really the challenges that some of our clients face and yet the beauty of the stories. And um, it's so special to have Carolyn here and telling this story and Jean. Um, but she said, she said, you know, it strikes me that this work, and I think this psalm um, points to just kind of life in general, that it is a cup of joy that we drink each morning here that is also a cup of sorrow and trouble. And that if you don't taste and experience the trouble, um, and move and lean into it, um, the joy cannot be experienced in its fullness um, either. Um, this is not a psalm of orientation. It's not a psalm of, oh, it's all good. We like those psalms. Praise God for those psalms. Um, it's a psalm that has moved through the trouble to a place um, because of God's faithfulness um, of great joy. So as we come to the table today, um, I, I pray um, God's grace would be upon us, a grounded grace. Um, I pray that God would bless our community with gratitude. Um, not because everything's all right, not because we have to put on a happy face, but because we can look at stories like the Psalms, we can look at Stories like how the IRC has emerged out of this body and the hard work and dedication and commitment that this body has made. Um, that we can look and see how God has been faithful in our own lives in the most personal of ways. Um, and we can be grateful, though we might be in trouble. Um, and we can profess and move forward trusting that God's Spirit will move with us and create newness so that we might write psalms and songs of new orientation um, and newness. Amen? God, by your spirit, as we prepare for your table today, um, we, uh, we pray this psalm. We thank you for moments in our lives where we're able to pray psalms like this, that you have led us through trouble that you have involved us in societal troubles and we have seen your newness break in. We thank you for saints like Benjamin Crum and, and pray for him and others um, who are involved daily in the trouble of our world and who do that in faithful witness to you and your kingdom. We pray that you be with him and, and, and those who, who work in our legal um, world trying to bring about justice for Jonathan and, and Carolyn and Ale in our, in our office even. 
Um, God, we pray that as we come to this table, um, it would be a cup of joy. Um, that uh, if we find ourselves in trouble, God, you would use this table, your body and your blood, to spark joy in us despite the trouble we face. But we also pray, God, that if we come to this table in joy, that you would open us up to the sorrow of this world that you might be calling us to. Um, to open up um, our eyes to see a world that you love that we might move towards um, in solidarity and hope for your movement in those places. And so we pray for those of us who are doing that now. We uh, pray that you would, would give us courage that we need to do that kind of faithful work as we leave here today. Um, so move among us, we pray. And it's the name of Christ that we ask all of this. Amen.